Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as The Comeback Coach. Guys, you know when I have anybody on my show, they're always game changers and thought leaders. And my brother Joshua B. Lee is exactly that. He's known as the dope, the dopamine dealer of LinkedIn. He's an author. He's changing the game of how we connect and how we build human relationships. First, I want to thank our sponsors. I think Joshua, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, one of the sponsors that we're going to talk about, um, he actually has a soap company that helps people that are homeless. For every bar of soap that they sell, which is a detergent-free soap, they give it out to a homeless person on the streets of California. And 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 uh, so definitely check the, the hashtag is don't be nasty, Maxwell Soaps. Joshua, brother, how are you today? Richard, I'm doing good, man. And definitely want to check out that sponsor, man. Um, you know, we're here in Austin, Texas, and always trying to do our part for the, the homeless situation, so... We'll have to get them out from California into Texas here. I love it. And uh, Austin is, I love Austin, Texas. Um, I got arrested a few times <laughs> when I was in the military there. So I really do love Austin. What a great music scene. And I think the food is outrageous. We're getting there. We're getting there. You know, again, it's got a great variety of food. I, I love being able to go out, you know, hopefully you know, we, we've had the lockdown, came back out to some extent and, you know, we're getting to enjoy that food again. So. I Richard, love next it. time you're here, man, we'll have to have you come out. We'll oh, definitely. I'm looking to come out probably and um, hopefully come out in November, December. Love Check. that. So talk to us. Uh, first of all, I want to know, you know, because when people come on my show, I'm sure you've heard some of my episodes. Um, you know, we get real and we talk about real stuff. Let's do it. And um, you have an amazing story, an amazing comeback story, which I, I truly appreciate. But you also are crushing it in business. But I want to get to know the man behind the microphone. So, Joshua, where did you grow up and what kind of kid were you and how was everything at home when you were growing up? Wow, good question, Richard. I mean, I love this because you're right. It really gets that human element that we forget about um, because we just see where everyone's at. They forget where they've been. You know, I grew up here in Texas. Um, I uh, grew up in I was born down in Beaumont, Texas, uh, but grew up in Port Arthur, Texas. So my family and my father, um, all from a little town called Nederland, Texas back then. And I, maybe if they were lucky, they had one stoplight. So, you know, grew up in that, that and was born down there, spent a couple of years, but really grew up most of my life in Houston, Texas. Um, you can, you can always tell someone that's from Houston because we say Houston when we forget the H. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Texas boy, born and raised, um, and you know, only child. So, you know, my life was interesting. I mean, I, I had all the things that I wanted and, didn't, and also didn't have all the things that I wanted, right. Being able to have brothers, sisters, you know, my friends were my brothers and sisters, you know, overall, man, growing up, I can't complain, you know, at, we lived in upper middle class. Um, you now, know, I was, I was for, for without, right? Yeah, go ahead. I also grew up as an only child. And okay, okay. Um, one of the things that, I mean, I grew up in an abusive household, but one of the things, you know, when I got lonely was 
I read a lot. I became a voracious reader. Oh, yeah. what, what was, you know, what was your go-to when you were feeling lonely in, you know, in your bedroom? You know, man, I, I definitely did read. Um, I had my own issues with technology during that time frame. I mean, I do remember, you know, my father worked at a computer company for the first part of me growing up. So I, I had a, you know, those Commodore 64s, you know, so uh, throw it way back and old school, <laughs> old school. Right. So, you know, definitely went that and definitely had, I'll be honest, I, I definitely had an addiction to TV where there's certain points my parents were, I remember Richard, like, because the, my, my addiction to TV kind of going in as a kid, because um, I read, but I also, once TV kind of came around and I had my own TV, it was like, whoa, this thing's awesome. This could, could take my attention. My parents would try and, you know, they tried to unplug the TVs. They tried to do everything. My father even split the cord, cut it, and put a different kind of plug on to try and make it difficult for me to use the TV. I just figured out how to, like, you know, kind of rig the uh, extension cord, cut it a little bit, and I could still plug it in. Wow. They, they eventually started taking the TVs to work with them. That's how bad it got. Now, were you a good student? Were you an athlete? I was both. Um, so, you know, growing up, I wasn't an athlete at first, um, but good student. Yeah. Um, ADHD definitely had that. Um, I was a good test taker. I definitely got great scores on my tests being a good student in class. Probably not so much. Um, but come high school is when I really started to kind of thrive in the, the sports arena and playing basketball and football and kind of going through that entire phase. And and in Texas, um, it's, as a senior, they they make you choose. They're like, okay, which one are you going to do? And of course, I'm in Texas. I'm going to play football. So definitely kind of had those choices of going through, had a great, almost near-perfect SAT score. Um, so did those things, but definitely was a loner at my own. So when you graduated from Cypress Creek High School, um, did you get any offers for scholarships or anything for colleges? So um, <laughs> I love that, you know, the, the high school that I went to. Um, oh, I went deep. I've actually even <laughs> talked to some people you went to school with. I love it, man. I love it. So, you know, I, I, I actually had an offer to go to college two years early after my uh, sophomore year in high school. Um, it was a quick start program to uh, North Texas University. Um, and I remember they, they kind of went in, it was going to be a quick start program. They take um, all four, you could actually go four years into two. So in two years, I, I graduate as a junior in college, but there were certain things they'd ask you like, like, Oh, what, how fast can you do a Rubik's cube? Or how do you feel like when people, you know, look at you the wrong way or call you nerd. And I'm like, I didn't have those. I was playing sports. And the big kicker for me, Richard, which didn't push me to do it was they told me I couldn't drive the first year and I had just turned 16. <laughs> hindsight being 2020 probably should have done it but you know that's kind of where i i ended up so you went to the university of texas correct um actually i went to yes i did we go to the university of texas i actually first uh, went to nacogdoches um and tried to play a little football there and then realized i didn't want to be out there and i went to university of texas now i'm a big sports geek so you got to tell me what position you play and you play <laughs> and who was your favorite player at the time Oh man, um, favorite player time would be. It's it's hard to honestly to go back that far. Um, but I started off when I started playing football. I was a quarterback, uh, cornerback, you know. So I played um, you know, covering the wide receivers, and 
I was great. I was uh, six foot two. I was about one seventy, and then from my uh, from my junior to my senior year, I started really hitting the gym, and I went from like one seventy five to like two hundred five, just solid muscle. And so they moved me to defensive end, uh, and that was a big shift and change for me to be able to kind of shift in that position. But I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I still remember my two football numbers, so it's. Uh, definitely left a uh, memory in my, my, my books. That's awesome. So you went to school for what did you decide to uh, major in in college? You know, originally I was going to be based on my, just my studies. I was a math and science major. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where I went into it, but I just didn't have the, the ability, like I didn't like someone talking at me. I'd rather just read a book, take a test. That just kind of, the, that was the kind of kid and person I was at. Um, I then kind of rolled into finance. I wanted to do international finance. And then after starting work, I was working at a GTE wireless back then. I think it became singular at some point that AT&T. Um, and I was the youngest corporate account executive they had. And so um, being seeing that, I, I moved into just a general business degree. But in the long run, I'm going to be honest, Richard, um, I, I stopped shy of about eight hours um, of finishing college just because of the fact that with the amount of money that I was making outside of college and the, the, what I was looking at, it didn't excite me enough to continue to be going because I, I didn't enjoy college to begin with. <laughs> Now, did you always have the entrepreneurial uh, drive and mindset? I think so. Um, you know, my mom would probably tell you as well. Like, I remember my earliest or, you know, selling candy out of my locker, right? You know, I get my parents to buy candy. And then back in middle school, I'd start selling, you know, um, lemon heads and different things like that back in the day. But my mom says that even before that, she couldn't realize, figure out why I loved it, wanted to go to summer school. And then finally she got the call from the teacher and I guess I got in trouble because numbers were always really easy for me. And I guess I was going there and playing cards and counting cards and taking other kids' money. <laughs> wow. Come on. You'll have to come to New Jersey. We'll go to Atlantic city. We'll, we'll have some fun with that. You know, it's, it's, you look back at these different things and it's just crazy to be able to kind of see where I was at. I mean, I definitely saw, I saw opportunity, but I think it took me many, many years to actually realize how to be able to, take being able to see opportunity and use it in a powerful fashion rather than just using it to what we were all taught, you know, just to monetize. Now, you know, around everybody knows, you know, what happened with the crash of 2008. So mm -hmm. in 2005, you started your own company and then all of a sudden 2008 hits. What was that like, you know, starting a young, young guy starting your own company and then getting hit that hard, but surviving? You know, I, mean, I was kind of blessed and cursed with my first company um, when I kind of went in there. Um, my, one of my first clients was a company that most people forgot about, MySpace. Um, I used to monetize. I got the contract to be able to monetize a lot of their traffic. So we were actually printing money right out the gate, which was crazy. So we had stacked a lot of money back. So, you know, I made a lot of dumb decisions, but not as many as my friends. And so I still had enough money to be able to kind of get to 2008 when we had started multiple different companies. And, you know, when 2008 hit, it was, it was rough. Um, I, my son was going to be born in 2009. Um, and when we were going through all that, we were bleeding cash. I mean, we were probably, 
I was probably negative about $300,000 a month based on the server costs and everything like that, that we had going out. And it was really rough too, because a lot of my friends that I grew up with, um, had brought my company and, you know, I kept on expecting them to be able to kind of say, Hey, you know, um, man, you know, things are rough, you know, because I always, I had a hard time with family, you know, like they were my family. They were my friends. I saw their families as my family. I couldn't let them go. And I kept on wanting them to kind of step up. And, and eventually I had to kind of cut those cords because I started dipping into my own personal savings to be able to keep the company running, but we made it through it, but it was, it definitely wasn't easy. And it was very scary as I was coming to be a, a new father for the first time in 2009. Now, you know, if somebody would, would see you now, they would think, wow, this guy's got it all. You know, he's got it. He's successful. But a lot of people, because, you know, I had I dug deep into your past, which, <laughs> which I always do. Um, but you went through a struggle and you kind of closed all your businesses and you started again. So yeah. take us back to that point in your life when you know, you just, you know, you're going through personal ter- turmoil and you decided to shut it all down. Talk, take us back to that time and that mindset. Richard, man. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, outside looking in, like you said, I mean, people saw me, I was running 10 different companies at the time. Um, they were six, seven, eight figures. Um, and I was six that people see that successful. People look at monetary value of success. You know, I had you know, the wife, the kid, two kids, the house, I was traveling whenever I wanted to and money wasn't an wasn't an object. And, uh, but the bigger problem was everything was work or life. It was this whole, you know, work life mentality that usually messes up so many people, especially entrepreneurs. And, you know, when I look back, I remember I was about 45 pounds overweight, never been overweight in my life. Um, uh, my friends had become monetary, right? They were around because I spent a lot of money and I had no vision about where I was going. I just knew where I was at it was, it was a hard path. And I was having problems with my own relationship um, with my marriage at the time, trying to figure that out. And there was different problems. I remember Richard going into my office and when my son was born in 2009, I stopped going in the office downtown and I started working at home. And because I wanted to be that present father. And um, I remember at one point, I always had my office doors open, no matter how young my son was, I always wanted to be able to say whatever I needed to say. Um, even especially once my daughter was born too, I wanted to be able to, if I couldn't say it in front of them, I shouldn't say it at all. And at a certain point, my office doors closed and that office became not only a sanctuary for me to be able to escape, but a coffin that I would just stare at the walls for eight hours a day where I was supposed to be working. And just contemplating my own life, if my family would be better off without me on this planet. And so that was a rough time for me. And I I was kind of blessed at a point that a good friend of mine, Jesse Elder here in Austin, Texas, kind of gave me permission not only to have a happier life for myself, but to also give my my former, my my ex, um, her life back as well, too, because we just weren't happy. We had gotten together. We, We had fun really well together. But after that, we just didn't adult well together. And so that's kind of where I reset my life. I walked away from everything. Um, my lawyers told me it could take up to three years to be able to kind of clear it through everything. And I said, no, we, we don't get back more time. We can always make back more money. 
So I uh, closed on the companies, walked away, and um, through the divorce um, at 36, I moved back in with my parents with a little bit under $1,000 my name, but I was able to be able to finish that off in like six months, which is what they require in Texas, and uh, restart my life. And it was, uh, it was a rough one, but it was the, at looking back, best decision I ever made because it would allow me to be able to kind of really figure out and be able to be where I am today. You know, and I love that, you know, now a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be veterans, they're mm-hmm. going to be entrepreneurs, and a lot of guys or girls when they get out of the military, you know, they want to start a t-shirt company, a hat company, and um, ten thousand six months later, they're $10,000 in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. Right. So, of us had to restart our lives over again, including me when I got into my accident. If you, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm 80% blind. Right. So, I had to start this podcast. So I had, to, I did something different. So talk to us about, you know, cause a lot of people think, you know, if they close a business or if they um, get a divorce, you know, that they're a failure and people don't realize, you know, that a person cannot be a failure. A failure is just an event in their life and they don't have to be held back by that anymore. So what was it like taking that thousand dollars and starting over again? It was rough. I'm going to be honest. The beginning, um, you know, trying to be able to go in, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have like my, my parents there to be able to kind of be able to support. But I knew what I needed to do. And it, I, honestly, at first it was, okay, what can I do to be able to make enough money to be able to keep me going? And that was doing consulting, doing coaching, different things like that based on my past and, um, you know, honestly, I had written my first book, which was Balance is Bullshit, um, How to Live a More Integrated Life, because I wanted to be able to share all the different problems and the mentalities that I had went through that I was too scared to as a man. Like, you know, we, we don't want to talk about the different failures. Or you don't want to tell people that for my first marriage, um, you know, my best man had sold almost a million dollars for me. I, you don't want to tell people that you went to Vegas one time and made a business deal at the Playboy Club, uh, you know, playing cards with a, an ex business partner that you made a $1.3 million bet that almost cost your company $10 million over a year, then almost shut you down. Um, you know, there's just lots of things that you just don't want to share. And that's what I put in that book because I wanted others to understand that I wasn't perfect. I wasn't going through. And that was the, that was the shifting point for me to be able to be, to really just tell the world, hey, I'm not the person that you saw because what we always see is our perception of someone else's perception of us is what usually drives us crazy. I'll say that again. Our perception of someone else's perception is what drives us crazy. And I think that's the biggest thing that goes through because we always perceive what someone else perceives of us. We don't know. We don't know how that is. And that was driving down. Once I released that, once I just went on Facebook and said, look, this is what's going on. This is what happened. I walked away it was amazing. I had this weight lifted off my chest because as men, as entrepreneurs, as people, as humans, we have this weight of what people are expected of us based on what we've been passed down to us generationally. And that's where I started kind of going in. At first I was a life coach, but then I, I kind of transitioned into understanding, let me lose my past because, you know, you talk about, you know, veterans on here, Richard, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. I was actually right now and they had moved it I was supposed to be, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of American Dream. You, you um, they help a lot of veterans. I, yep. one, of, one of my clients, Phil, 
Um, I was actually sp speaking at a veterans tech event and my, my wife took it over right now. She's actually talking to uh, doing a keynote for the veterans tech on being able to how to find jobs in the, in the tech world um, as a veteran. So, you know, we love to be able to help out in that world. And that's the biggest thing, right? How do we actually take what we, what we've done in our past and be able to understand that even though it's a different world, I was in a different world, right? I didn't want to be in that monetization world. I wanted to be in the human world. And just like with vets, we see like what you've done as a veteran can transition over into where you're at right now in the civilian space. We have to be able to make that shift in that within our own mindset and be able to go, okay, I can use these skills now. And that's what I did. And that's what allowed me to be able to kind of be where I am today and own my past and integrate it with my current future. You know, but I, and I totally agree. Um, you know, like, like, our, like my friend Gary Vaynerchuk says, you know, um, ever since COVID happened, um, you know, people got found out and, um, you know, the same people that were living, supposedly living in, in <laughs> and driving Lambos. Yeah. Living in her, in her mom's basement. But I think, you know, like a lot of people that are out there, um, you know, because we, everybody puts all their best stuff out there on social. You yeah. Know? They use the filters, they used the pictures, but I think it's the people like you and myself that'll be open and honest about who we are. Those are people that people can relate to. And, you know, and like you said, it becomes part of the, the human relationships. Right. So how did you get, oh, by the way, since you mentioned your wife, yeah. I have to have her on the show now, <laughs> veterans that are looking for jobs and, and careers and stuff like that. So She's you have, amazing. Yeah. just to throw that out there. Yeah, no, we, we're always happy to be able to help out anyway, Richard, because I mean, it's such an important, you know, arena um, for us. I mean, look, I didn't even realize I had a friend of mine, Jimmy Kendrick, uh, he's, in the military and he's a helicopter instructor and uh instructor from the on the jets and things like that as you can tell i'm not from the military so excuse my language and, and when i don't actually have the right, right right statements to be able to go into but he came to me one time uh richard and he goes josh man he goes you know you do so much on linkedin he's like i need your help i said what's up man how, how can i help out this is someone i went to you know, high school grew up with he's like i got a buddy of mine I have seen this man save people's lives, pull people from live fire. And right now, now that he's left the, the military, he can't get a job because people are looking at his LinkedIn and they, and these companies want to make sure that he's, you know, associated with, you know, civilian life and connected. And they want to be able to see that he has 500 to a thousand connections on his LinkedIn. And that is restricting people from leaving the military now and getting jobs. I said, are you kidding me? And so we went in and started doing a couple of different programs on teaching them how to, to be able to leverage a platform like that. So that is never a restriction for any veteran because that is ridiculous, Richard, for me. You know, when I hear that, that someone's, re, you know, restricted on being able to get a, an opportunity in this world right now, specifically based on something around like how many connections you have on LinkedIn. And so that's where we started really helping a lot of, a lot in that area. And by the way, I know I'm a, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. As soon as Gary said, Hey, LinkedIn is a, is the next big thing. I was like, all right, I'm all <laughs> in. Now I just got to try to figure it out. But you know, a lot of veterans when when they get out, you know, and they and they're trying to find a job, yeah, and put resumes out. They, 
you know, they put a resume out and it's all in, in military nomenclature. Right. right. You know? And and when a, a recruiter's looking at it, their eyes glaze over and they're like, I don't know what this means. So next. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to switch that, those language patterns because just like I use, you know, civilians and stuff like that, that's not how civilians talk. Yeah. You know, so you've got to be able to change your language, you know, from the military speak into, you know, a little bit different and be able to tell, get away from the putting out a resume. And I think this is the biggest thing that most people need to look at, Richard, especially on LinkedIn. It's it's not a resume, right? I, I think you need to be able to tell a career journey. Tell a story of how you've come to the place you are right now. And I want you to tell me that story so I can understand it and all the different pieces. And, and you know, that's the big thing. We want, don't give me bullets of what you've done. It's really paint me a picture. And now, you know, and I, and I, I appreciate, and I love that. Now, like I said, I've only been on LinkedIn, I think maybe five years, yeah. like 24,000 connections, whatever, but it's all for me. It's all about building real, yeah. yeah. Real- you know, like when I, when I reached out to you on LinkedIn, if I would have said, hey, bro, um, I have the number eight veteran podcast in the world. I think you should be on it. You'd probably look at me like, who is this jack wagon? <laughs> you know, but, you know, I think like I get thousands of emails every day. Hey, I seen your 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 profile. Yeah. And you need me to help you do blah, blah, blah. And does that stuff actually work no. for me? it? It kind of just, I look at somebody and I'm like, and I'm thinking, you know, does this really work or are you just praying and spraying? Trying that's, to- what they're, that's what they're doing. You know, Richard, that they're trying to go in there. They, they look at, it, they go, Oh, they can get one opportunity. If I, if I, if I pitch a thousand people and I get that one opportunity, yeah, I get that one opportunity. I go, no, you just pissed off 999 people. There's a better way to be able to do it. And so that's what you have to kind of think about. Like the things that I do on LinkedIn, the, the what I work with my clients on, what I teach, what I share, it's just the things that my mother taught me how to be able to treat other human beings. I'm just doing it online, right? Like you and I, you don't like cold calling or cold emails, do you? Do you like someone to just your phone to ring and someone just be able to like, hey, uh, is this is Richard there? You know, you know, if you have that five second delay, you know, someone's about to pitch you. Yeah. And it's the same thing on LinkedIn. You've got to be able to find a better way. So like. It's about engaging with people that engage with you. Like if, you know, you and you and I, Richard, we went back and forth in conversation. We, you know, recently we talked about my daughter going through things, my family. You yeah. checked in on me. These are the things to be able to build a relationship. Yeah. So you have to be, that's the one thing I want people to realize. If you connect with someone and you build a relationship and a relationship, you know, build a conversation and a conversation turns into a relationship, a relationship turns into opportunity. You cannot skip past that in today's world, especially now more than ever with COVID with us being so distant apart, you have to be able to take that time, energy, and effort to be able to do that. And that's okay. If not every opportunity and not every connection turns into opportunity now, that's okay. You never know when some somewhere down the line, because you built that relationship, it will come back to you. Now, tell us, you know, because everybody had to start from somewhere. So tell me about the day you set up your LinkedIn account and what you would do differently today than you would, because it has grown exponentially. What would you do different today than the first day you signed up as somebody on a new guy on LinkedIn? I mean, hey, let's be real. Richard. I mean, the first time I set up my LinkedIn, I, 
it had to be, you know, before 2010, if I remember correctly, it's been a while. They're actually hitting their 18th year anniversary um, on uh, LinkedIn this year. So they've been around for a bit, but it was set up as a, as a resume. Like, right. I just went on there. I, I listed, I bullet pointed out everything that I had done and that's what it was. I copied it from a, a page, you know, a word resume, and then I put it on there and that was it. And it's, it's so much more than that. It's, Yes, they are a powerful platform to be able to find opportunities for jobs, but this is a way to be, you know, what they really want is a place to, for professionals to be able to connect in an environment that is respected. And this is LinkedIn is one of the most respected platforms out there. They believe in the, the information that's shared. So setting up my profile these days, it would be going in, right? It's, it's being able to understand how to be able to tell a career journey. We start off with making sure you have a good picture. It's not the picture from your Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and like that. It's you, most of your, your head and half your body with a white background, right? It allows us to stand out. Having to be able to good headline, right? Like who, who or what do you do? Not who do you, who you are. So many people go in, well, I'm the founder of Standard Authority. That's great. But especially if you're an entrepreneur, I believe in the XYZ statement, which is I help X to do Y so they can achieve Z. X is being your ideal person that you're trying to reach. Y is the service that you provide, but not the real reason why people buy. Z, the outcome of your service, the emotional tie, whatever it might, that might be, that is the reason why people want to hire you. They want to buy your products, whatever it is. And that's the, some of these ways that we've learned over time to be able to draw people in, to be able to connect with them, to be able to build a rapport and then go from there. Don't just make it all business. Talk about yourself. You look at my profile. I share about being a father. I share about my book. You know, I go through some of my, my story because I want everyone to understand. I want to be able to relate to someone else because I want someone to go in on my, my profile. I'll be honest. I don't think I started my profile. One of my first jobs was I was a server at Chili's, you know, people go, why would you put that on there? No one wants to see that. You're like, why not? I didn't wake up one day and I wasn't the founder of Standard Authority. I, I had a, a process that I grew from. And I want people to understand that because I get people all the time that say, dude, you were to Chili's? Me too. I'm like, and that starts your opportunity to build a relationship. Well, one thing that really touched me about you, your story is, you know, I'm a big, uh, I love, you know, helping out. I love paying it forward. Yeah. And it's amazing how you will dress up as Spider-Man <laughs> and for people don't realize, you know, that you have a heart of service. Now, did that heart of service come from your mom or your dad? You know, my dad was always a hard worker. You know, I, he was, you know, he was very passionate about work, being able to achieve things like that because he wanted to retire early. Um, he came actually from, he was in the Navy. So my father was um, on a sub. So a Vietnam vet, um, even though he was stationed in Hawaii during that time, uh, but he is a was was a vet during the Vietnam War, and you know, so that was his kind of mentality, kind of going through. So I'd say it was my mom. My mom always wanted to build those relationships. She was the crazy mom that kind of ran around, and my friends were like, "Dude, what's 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 wrong with your mom? She's she's nuts." But she was just so passionate, so loving, so caring, so out there. So I really think I got that from, from her because even today when I go through things, you know, Richard, she's the one I reach out to, you know, right now, you know, I kind of mentioned to you, you know, we had, had torn my Achilles and 
then we, my whole family went through COVID and then now I have two blood clots in my leg and it's, it's been trying. Um, and there's been a lot put on my wife. And, you know, with that, I reached out to my mom and she's like, look, you're going through a lot of things. It's okay. You know, and I'm having to cut, cut a lot of things out of my life that I would usually use to, to, to cope. And it's, it's hard, but you know what, this is the biggest thing that you've got to be able to share that story. I, I'm, I'm a book open, right? You can ask me anything and I'll share. And I think that's the biggest thing that where we go through these services, you can't serve others until you serve yourself and serve yourself. You have to be an open book to others so they can understand and learn from where you're at and be able to not only see you, but, you know, offer that help if you need it as well too. You know, and I love that. By the way, if you have any blood clots, I definitely suggest taking uh, some fish oils that actually helps thin out the blood. L-carnitine actually helps that also. I've been working on some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was in the health and fitness industry for over 30 years. So okay. Yeah. Throw that out there. But, you know, talking about, we'll get back to what we're talking about. Um, you know, some if people look through LinkedIn. Some of the most things that have the most engagement on LinkedIn is when people are sharing personal stories. Yeah. You know, and I think like, you know, like you say that, you know, there's a big difference between traffic and real conversions and conversations. Yeah. What is the disconnect between traffic and real conversions? People just want, they go, Oh, I want views Well, views and traffic. Like, you know, if it doesn't go in, if you don't have a story, then have a reason, you know, I used to drive traffic. I mean, I've controlled trillions of online impressions, you know, in my career, trillions. And, you know, and I've had billions and, you know, clicks and things like that. But th- that's what they were. Like, I don't know how many people I served during that time frame. Now, what I see is, is the relationships that are built, the people that I get to work with. I mean, like the, the men and women that I get to serve these days, you know, some of them are, the, I've read their books on how to be able to start my own companies 20 years ago. And now I get to be able to help them engage and connect with their audience. And the biggest thing is everyone wants to show this polish. They go LinkedIn. Oh, that's a place for business. We have to be this way. And if you share the personal stories, that's not for LinkedIn. Well, okay. You know what? I don't need to know. I always tell everyone like on LinkedIn, the way to look at it is Look, I don't need to know when your kids are going to school, right? You don't need to share a story to me saying, oh, today is the first day of school. But I do need to know that you have them, right? I need to be able to have that connection with you. I need to be able to understand because we all go through different things. There's certain things that I would say, like you use more LinkedIn stories to be able to connect with others. But if you want to be able to draw in connections, people have to be able to see themselves and what you're sharing. If you're that person in the room, we all have seen that person in the room, always talking about yourself. Like if I was on here, Richard and going, and they were like, Oh, there's Josh again. That dude never shuts up about LinkedIn. It's exhausting. No one wants to be that person. So you have to be able to understand how to be able to tell stories about what you've gone through or who you've helped rather than just being that person, always talking about yourself on LinkedIn. You know, and I, and I totally agree. You know, I made a decision um, last year that whenever I post anything on social media, it's always going to, if it includes me, it's going to include one or two or three of my friends. Um, you know, it's like something that Gary always told me. Yeah. You know, if you promote yourself, I mean, if you promote your friends, 
10 times more than you promote yourself. You'll never have to promote yourself. There you go. I'm a big, a big agreeer in building relationships. So talk to us about building real relationships in business and not just being transactional, building transactional relationships. Well, I think it starts off with understanding your audience. I mean, like you took so much time, energy, and effort, you know, Rich, and I really appreciate that to be able to research me before we get on here. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've definitely gotten on a podcast and you can tell the, the person doesn't have much more than the bio that we sent over. And, you know, that allows us to be able to build that. Like it's being able to not just worry about how you can serve them, but where are they at, Right. I want to work with heart-centered entrepreneurs, right? That are adding value to this world, not just trying to monetize it. So if I'm going through to be able to build a relationship, I want to see what someone's actually doing, you know, in regards, what, what are their, what, not only what are their pain points, right? Cause that's what you look at in sales, but what are their aspirations? Where do they want to go? What, what do they want to achieve? How do they want to affect this world? Right? When you ask people like that, you step into an emotional trigger and in this world, as human beings, we all make decisions emotionally. I don't care who you are. And I, and I, I get that on the military side that you're, you're trained to a certain extent, but outside of specific situations like that, there's an emotional trigger that people love or hate you to some degree. If they're indifferent towards you, you're not, you're just wasting their time. So you have, and you're wasting your own time. So you have to be polarizing in a world, especially on social media, to be able to draw in your audience or even to be able to get those people that, you know, are not your audience, right? You want to be able to push them away. And sometimes they actually might, might actually draw them in even more to be able to comment. And the people that really do love and appreciate you are going to stand up for you and become super fans. And you have to be able to do this. And that's not just by posting content. It's engaging with people that engage with you. If someone likes your post, someone comments on your post, if someone looks at your profile, reach out to them, start with appreciation. There is not enough appreciation in this world, Richard, for the little things in life. You know, we, we take so much things for granted. You know, you know we're, done, we're talking about veterans. Like we take our freedom. A lot of us take our freedom for granted. There's a lot of people that are fighting for it every single day. We take not, before COVID, we took not having to wear a mask every day for granted, right? These are things that we took for granted. So when you look at it and transfer that into the business world, into the LinkedIn world, how much do we take for granted that someone looks at our profile? Why don't we reach out and say, hey, Richard, man, I saw you checked out my profile. Just want to take two seconds out and say thank you. you know, too often we don't appreciate that. Love to be able to connect with you and find out what pushed you to check me out. That starts a conversation. When someone gets appreciated for something they've never been appreciated for, it switches something in their brain. It gives them a dopamine hit that allows us to then be able to continue that conversation and build from there. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I love that. And it's, and it's so easy just to, you know, just reach out to some, somebody say, hey, you know what? You were on my heart today. Just thinking about you, hoping you're doing well and not expecting anything back. Right. Because a lot of people will think, you know, they'll get something like that. And the first thing they're going to think is, all right, a pitch is coming. When is the pitch coming? <laughs> And then sometimes, you know, when the pitch doesn't come, they'll email me back and they'll be like, hey, uh, thank you for checking on me. I thought right. you pitched me. And I'm like, no, man, I was just thinking about you, seeing that you posted something. I just want to let you know that, you know, you're on my heart. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's where it starts, right? It starts with being able to go through. We, we teach everyone 
you know, richer to be able to, you know, start with that level of appreciation. You know, we'll even go to the next step. Like my mom, my mother always taught me to be able to give someone a compliment when you meet them, you know, and, and on LinkedIn, I look at compliments as endorsements. So we'll connect and appreciate them for either, you know, engaging on something that we've done. We'll give them a compliment through an endorsement. And then a lot of times we'll say, thank you. You know, and that opens up us to be able to ask, you know, questions about them and to be able to connect and find out what they're up to. Right. And then allow the conversation to naturally form from there. Okay. So now I want to go there because it it was (laughs) um, for a while when I first started on LinkedIn, um, I would send connection requests to people that I I would like to have in my life, Uh you know, and, and I, I would hear crickets, but, and then somebody told me, I don't remember who it might've been Gary V on one of his, one of his books said, go deep into their profile, Mm -hmm. you know, find out about them, you know, find out about when they were in, in college and won an award. Yeah. But talk to them about that because, you know, they say that, Richard, did I lose you? People to build relationships. So talk to us about not just going, clicking everybody that you, you want to be connected with and then not doing anything and building relationships with it. Well, you know, so we, we use uh, a tool on LinkedIn specifically that most marketers use just for spamming, like you said. It's a sales navigator. And we kind of go in and use it as a social listening tool because if I want to identify my audience and I want to be able to connect with them, well, let's just be honest, you know, most of those people are probably active on LinkedIn and I only want to make sure I'm connecting with the people that that are active on on LinkedIn. And I always ask everyone, and you've probably heard this on another, you know, podcast I've done or some, some of the things I've shared, you know, every single person in this world posts online for one reason above all else. I don't care who you are, where you're from. We've been conditioned for the last 20 years to be able to look for this. And we could say, you know, Richard, I could go in and people go in and give me all the kind of, uh, to get, to get clients, to build advocacy, brand awareness, you know, to give back, to educate. Well, yes, those are secondary, but we post because we've been conditioned to look for those little hits of dopamine. We all get when someone engages in our content, we get those likes or, or, or comments. And I mean, that's just what we, we post something like, okay, you know, like you were saying, crickets when you send a message. Well, it's the same thing. If you post content, if you get crickets, you're just waiting for that one person to like your post. Like, oh, I've been validated. So when I want to build a relationship, Richard, if I see that you posted something and I want to be able to connect with you, I'm going to go in and like, I'm going to go in and use Sales Navigator. And then you can actually see, let's say we are one of the people that I identified. I can see that you posted online in the last 30 days. I'm going to go in and I'm going to like your post. And then I'm going to comment on your post. I'm going to check out your profile and then I'm going to send you a message say, Hey, Richard, I saw your recent post on X, man, around your podcast. Um, really appreciate it. I checked out one of the episodes because I would have and, you know, saw some interesting alignment. Love to be able to connect with you. I think there's, you know, just want to say thank you for posting great content, right? And that's where we start that from. That's relationship. If you like someone's post, you comment on it and then you reach out to thank them for posting great content. It starts to relate because most people don't get a message in their inbox that says, hey, Josh, man, thank you so much for posting the other day. It just doesn't happen. We don't get that validation. So it breaks up the patterns that we're, we're in because these days, everyone online is in this comment, you know, share, post, like, comment, share, post, like, comment. And we've got to create these stop gaps and stop gaps, I like to believe, start with appreciation in all aspects. 
And, you know, that all goes back to, like, my friend John McCaskill. He's a um, ex-Navy SEAL commander. Mm-hmm. Now um, he's a mindfulness coach. Okay. And I think that's where it all comes back to becoming mindful of yeah. everything that you do, you know, everything that you post, everything that you say. Because, um, you know, I'm not a big, uh, as big a guy, Grant Cardone guy. But okay. in his book, 10X, yeah. Once he said that, once you realize that from this moment on, everything is your fault <laughs> and you cannot blame anybody from this point on is when you really start becoming mindful. Right. You do. So talk to us about mindfulness. <sighs> mindfulness is really, really important for everyone. I mean, mindful of what you share online, um, your actions, the ripple effects, um, you know, mindful of just, you know, I, I just went into Richard, you know, I talked about being appreciate others for things that have never been appreciated for, but how often is, you know, as we go through our own life, you know, being mindful of yourself, you know, appreciate, you hear these things all the time, appreciate the little things in life, appreciate the things that you have. So many of us um, don't appreciate those things and being mindful of what you have and what others may or may not have and how they look at you it needs to be there like going up whatever happens like look if you're going through if you're in a situation you know they, there's a reason why they say the buck stops with you if you you're doing something and someone comes to you it's like hey why are you doing this like you don't go and go oh well you know well you know gary v told me to do it look you know you need to be able to own it you decided you took the information you went through you need to be able to take responsibility for your own actions. So if you're going through and spamming everyone and then you don't understand why people are getting upset, well, if you're not mindful for what you want, how you want to be treated, right? Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. We've heard this. this is a golden rule. I believe it. It's something that my mother taught me. Like my mom, and I go back to her a lot because, again, respect was one of the biggest things that she t- told me to hold a high, high value above all else. If people do not respect you, you know, that is where you're lost. You know, you do not treat them. You always treat everyone with the same respect you want to be able to receive in return. That, that is not, that's not just offline. That's online. So if you're doing things to market people, to connect with people based on what you post, whatever it is that you would not want someone else to do to you, why are you doing it? And if you don't like that, how I'm saying that, fine. Like, oh, well, you know, there's different people. BS, I'm sorry. Do not do things that you would not want someone to be able to child how you want to be treated online. And I guarantee you, if you treat others the way you want to be treated, you will see the respect. You will see the return. You will see the opportunity to be able to be built. So that's where I believe mindfulness kind of steps into play. I love that. Now, like one of my mentors, his name is Ed Milet. I know that, yeah. And he always says that, you know, th- things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And, 100%. And everything is a teachable moment. Yes. So, you know, I went through a serious health scare last year, this year, matter of fact. And um, so you went, your whole family went through COVID. And when you're going through stuff like that, you start to realize how important the little stuff is. Yeah, And it's all little stuff, you know, when it comes, you know, if you have COVID, it doesn't matter if you have the big house, the big car, 
the, the big pool in the backyard. You're right. It doesn't matter because your mindset is starting to think, you know, am I going to make it? Am I going to live? And what is my, what is my life going to be once I get out of this? So what was your mindset when you were going through this and how have you appreciated life more now that you've gone through this? You know, it, it really is because the the first, my daughter got it first and I remember like, oh, we have to, you know, be able to quarantine her off. And, you know, she's nine, you yeah. know, and she's I like, got Dad, girl, I got I'm... a year old daughter also. So I okay. Mean... Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's nine. My son's 12. And, you know, she got it first and she's the, I remember the first night, Richard, and she, her temperature got up to like 102.8. And they're like, you can't be around or you have to stay away. You have to quarantine. And I'm a dad. You know what I did? I put my mask on. I went and laid in her bed and we slept because she was scared. And you know what? I don't regret that. And I would do that each and every time for her. And guess what? I caught it myself. But if I'm not willing to be a father when my, my kids need it, you know, these are the things that I learned right? I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to be and do for my children to be able to make sure they are healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? These are the things that we have to be able to step into. Um, I've been going through, right? You know, like I ended up with the two blood clots in my legs after COVID. I've gone through a lot. Like it's, it's been really, really not being able to get out, not being able to go anywhere. Like I appreciate my health. I appreciate my health then. I appreciate even more now because it was, I had the, I had the roughest out of my entire family. It went from my daughter to my son and then to me. And then eventually my wife got it. And if I didn't have the support that we had, I, I don't know where my company would be. Right. I, I needed support. My wife needed to help with the kids. When I got sick, I couldn't move. I had a torn Achilles and I was in bed with COVID. So, you know, I needed twice the help. And it really makes you appreciate these things as we kind of go through where people go, oh, well, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to tell you, I'm still feeling the effects weeks later after actually going through it. So, you know, I, 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 I need to be um, as on as healthy as possible. And that's why I've adjusted my diets, my change ever since COVID, because you know, getting this blood clot going through, like I'm making sure that I'm making massive shifts in my health so I can not be at that stage again. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I can totally appreciate that. Cause I, I put a post out yesterday. I, I finally got my blood back, blood count back, my blood work and everything came out good, except for my, my sugars were high. Mm -hmm. Other than that, everything came back great. And I put out a post yesterday, you know, without health, there is no wealth, right? You know, if you're right. not, healthy, your, your money means absolutely, you know, I go, my, my uncle died a multimillionaire. He said, you know, I got all this money, but I can't buy back a day. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So now I'm, I'm very big into mindset and my, and routines, okay. you know, my friend, John McCaskill is a Navy SEAL. And right. he talks about the most important parts of your day are the hour after you get up. Mm -hmm. hour before you go to bed mm -hmm. so talk to us about your your rituals before bed and when you wake up in the morning no worries well i'll start with the morning because i think that when i get to the evening and i'll show some of the different pieces on how i wake up feeling accomplished every morning and that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people 
don't get to get. So when I wake up in the morning, um, especially now as I'm going through, I wake up, I have 16 to 24 ounces of lemon water. Um, about 15 minutes later, um, I have about 16 ounces of celery juice, um, something recently, just not that I always had this in my, my life, Richard, uh, because I didn't realize that water with all the minerals and things that are not, are taken out of it now doesn't really hydrate you as much as you need. So I go from water to celery juice to um, coconut water. Those are the things that I start my morning off with, being able to make sure my body is as hydrated as possible. Um, I then meditate for anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes every single morning, trying to be able to clear my mind out. Um, you know, a, a good friend of mine recently, we were talking about meditation and he said, for men, meditation is we're able to, we're able to quiet our minds, you know? Um, but in meditation is a time that, we, you know, I, I, where we're going and what we need to be able to do is given to us. For women, uh, a lot of times meditation is a, a time because they usually have so many things coming in at once. It's a time for them to actually be able to quiet our minds because usually we can just kind of, as men, we can zone out. Women don't always have that easy ability to be able to zone out. So there's different ways to be able to kind of go in, I journal, and then I work out. And, you know, this is all I'm getting up between 5 and 5.30 every morning. And I'm trying to be able to get these things done before my children wake up because I want to be able to be that father. I take my kids to school every single morning that I have them. So, you know, that's kind of where my morning is. And the, some of the biggest things is I, I don't use my phone. I try and stay away from devices in the morning because the first thing you do when you wake up, most people, they reach for that phone <laughs> and that's setting precedence in their mind that the outside world is more important than them. The world did not spin. Your company did not blow up. We are okay. You can put some time into you because if you put time in yourself, you are the reason why you are successful. So that's how I start my morning. And then right when I grab my phone, the first thing I do, a lot of people have to-do lists, right, Richard? I mean, like people write it on a piece of paper, like, okay, these are the five things I'm going to do today. Mm. Um, you know, I kind of changed a little bit because I think the more senses that we use, the, the more powerful that we are. And so I take my phone and I take that... We all have a phone. We all have the, the camera on there. And I take it out and I say, Josh, today you are going to accomplish. And I say five things that I know without a shadow of a doubt I can accomplish. I don't care if it's giving my wife a, a hug and kiss and telling her I love her, telling my kids I love them, walking the dog, you know, whatever it needs to be. It's very easy. Eating a healthy lunch. I say, that's what I start off with, right? And then at the end of it, I say, Josh, congratulations on accomplishing your goals today. And so when we talk about going to bed, you know, we turn off the TVs at eight o'clock at night. So we don't have any TV, none of the, you know, no blue, you know, no blue lights coming in, things like that. And, you know, before I go to bed, the last thing I do right at that eight o'clock hour is I watch that video again. So I can hear myself. I can hear, I can see myself saying, congratulations on accomplishing your task, because then I can finish my day feeling accomplished, no matter what happened between when I woke up and when I went to bed, I know I at least accomplished those things. And that gives that sense of accomplishment, allowing me to wake up the next day again, rested and fully ready to be able to start the day. You know, and, and I, I, I'm, I agree a hundred percent. And that's something I try to do when I wake up in the morning, I try to take 15 minutes, um, you know, 
meditation prayer, you know, right. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up for today. And, and, and I try to put the phone away for 15 minutes, just, just trying to be, you know, we're so such a crazy world where we just forget, you know, to be quiet, you know, and have a quiet time, you know, so you can just get your, your thoughts together. And I, I love that now because I have to, because we talked about earlier about, you know, relationships and you're a big relationship guy. Yeah. And for a while, um, you know, I was helping, trying to help everybody else in the world with their mental, you know, I'm a big mental health advocate Right. through my own mental health summit last April. And, you know, my wife said, you know, she broke down one day and she says, you know, you're trying to help everybody else, but you're not helping the person sitting across from you at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And I had to start thinking about, okay, you know, my what my relationship is because for me it makes no you know makes no sense for a guy or a girl to have the big house the big car the big pool and then come home to an empty kitchen table right so talk to us about you know building the relationships from our our household out instead of the opposite of outside in you know richard that's such a powerful question man because you know, as I mentioned before, you know, I went through that life reset. I went through a divorce um, because I didn't have that connection. Um, we we just had a lot of fun together in the beginning, and there wasn't that lack of connection, that lack, that lack of communication. I think communication is the biggest key factor. Um, with my relationship now with Rachel, um, you know, one it was amazing. And when, when I met her, she was we were in the, here in Austin, and she would told me that she was leaving for Seattle. Um, because she had a job with Microsoft that she was taking. And I remember, cause I had just gotten out of a divorce. I was like, Oh, great. You know, there's the end time, you know, we get to have some fun and then I don't have to worry about the, the you know, I have to go there. So we kind of started off and we went in that way. And then she, when she was leaving, she was like, Hey, do you want to continue this? And I'll be honest, I was not at a, the best point in my life. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll call you. She's like, Oh, well, how about you just book your ticket now? I was like, Oh, <laughs> you're going to try and play, play games with me. You can't outplay me, you know? And so I booked the ticket and, you know, as we kind of had this long distance relationship, I said, one of the things I said to her, I said, look, if we're going to do this, you know, I've already went through this once. I want to be a hundred percent me a hundred percent of the time. Right. Um, And if we can't do that, we're already going to be in different cities. So it doesn't really matter. You can just turn your chair around and walk away. We never worry about it again. And that was one of the biggest factors that's really stayed true. I don't think I've ever been 100% me 100% of the time with anyone in my life, even with myself most times. And when I started doing that with her, you know, it was amazing. And to have someone to love you for the good and bad, to be 100% transparent, because if you can't do that with a person, like you said, sitting across this kitchen table from, how can you do that with the rest of the world? And to be able to have that person that can be there for the, the celebrate the good times, but also be able to hold you when those hard times happen as men, a lot of times we hold those in because we go, Oh, we, we got to be the protector, the provider. We can't put our problems on someone else. And that led me to a point where I almost thought about my ending my life because that was so heavy for me to be able to do now being able to be in that relationship, good or bad. We have a conversation. If we even have, a, we don't go to bed angry. We have the conversation no matter how uncomfortable it is. And am I always the best person? I'll be honest. Sometimes she's going to call me in and say, look, you, you can't just roll over and go to bed on me. 
we need to, you know, you better get over here, give me a kiss and tell me you love me and let's, let's let this go and let's talk about it. But it's the best thing that's ever done for me. And it allows me to be able to be, you know, have amazing conversations with like, like you, Richard, and everyone and be real with that outside of the people in my, in my life. Because when I have that at home, it gives me the confidence. It gives me the, 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 the boost. It gives me the base that I need to be the best person I can be. Because the first relationship that matters the most is my relationship, one with myself and then next with my wife. And I love that. And you know, like my, my, my wife, she's my best friend. She's my rock. She's my everything, but she'll also call me out on my BS. <laughs> so, you know, like a lot of times people say, yeah, you know, you're famous and blow, you know, you're, everybody knows you. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still the guy that's walking around following a 14 pound pound dog, picking up poop. You know, <laughs> no matter how, how, how cool we think we are. You know, Richard, it's okay, man. I, I always play to my wife too. I'm like, God, I, sometimes like I think the dog has a better a better gig at it than I do. You know, I'm always yeah. I'm always vying for the, the the same attention the dog gets from my wife. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you think you're cool, so cool until you have to take out the garbage, and then <laughs> reality sets in. So, last couple questions that I have. Um, yeah. How do we find you? How do we get in touch with you? How do we pick up your book? Because I I picked up your book and. I actually, you know, they say, you know, LOL, where so many parts of your book, I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> so talk to us. How do we find your book and how do we find you and how can we uh, connect with you? Yeah, Richard. I mean, you know, of course, you know, we talked about LinkedIn. That's the platform I, I love to be on. But, you know, always with anyone, reach out to me, you know, if it's on LinkedIn, if it's on Facebook, I'm at the Joshua B. Lee um, across most platforms. On LinkedIn, especially, you know, don't send me that blank connection request. What I love, Richard, when someone reaches out to me to connect after listening to a podcast, reach out to me. Tell me why you listen to Richard, why you listen to this podcast, you know, because then that gives me a reason to be able to reconnect with Richard. Say, hey, man, look at all these amazing messages I got of why everyone listens to you. So I'd love to be able to get these messages. Uh, you can find me also on our website, standardauthority.com. A link to my book is there. And of course, the book is on Amazon. So you just search balance bullshit and it's S-H um, asterisk T because I try to be a little bit more appropriate <laughs> um, for that and to be able to find my book there. But please reach out. Always love to be able to connect with everyone, especially listeners of yours, Richard. So what do you have coming up? What do, what, what's, it, what's in the hopper for you? Oh man, we've got a whole bunch of different things. We've got a new, new program because, you know, everyone always asks, like, my name is Joshua B. Lee. And when my, when my wife and I got married, her name is Rachel B. Lee now, because her last name was Bronstein and she moved it to, and they're like, wait a minute, is that branding? It just kind of happens. So we've actually got a new program we're launching here called the Be Ready program. I'll put on the B. Lees. Um, and, you know, so really excited about that because I haven't done coaching uh, in a couple of years and we're really taking people the full life, not just LinkedIn, but branding, but life, really heart center entrepreneurs. So really excited about that. Something I'm doing with her specifically. And then, um, yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier about American Dream U. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going up to a college here and speaking on their behalf here um, to be able to connect with some college kids and some, um, some veterans as well. So, you know, those are the exciting things that I've got in my life. Um, no travel for me right now until I get this blood clot taken care of. But, yeah. you know, like, I'll be happy here in Austin, Texas. People can come visit me for a little bit. You definitely need to take care of yourself. Um, so last question that I ask, um, and I, I love the, the answers I get because I can ask a thousand different people and get a thousand <laughs> different answers. 
um, we live it, we're living in the COVID world right now yeah. to where uh, like we're in New Jersey and um, we're now we're going back on lockdown. Right. Um, and there's parents out there that are driving Uber, driving their DoorDash because they lost their jobs and they're trying to just put food in their kids' mouths. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they'll probably never get to it because we're so busy and crazy. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if there's somebody out there listening to us today, whether it's personal or business, if they're struggling with something, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to right the ship? Man, Richard, that's a power. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying um, this, this podcast with you, my friend, and this conversation that we're having, because the questions that you ask are, are so profound um, and really actionable and impactful. Um, and what I would say is think about the five people that you're closest to, right? We always uh, say here that the five people that, you know, you know, that you spend the most time with, you know, really you know, dictate, you know, how your life is. And I would reach out to each one of them and ask them, you know, ask them for feedback. Um, this is something I learned through a course I was taking and reach out and say, Hey, what would be your feedback for me? Right. And just leave it at that. Allow them to be able to go in. If they have questions to be able to go in, but ask them, I would love for you to give feedback because you never know what they might going to say, because I'd rather know where I stand, especially with the people that I hold closest to me in my life. I want to know what they think about me, what they would come to me for, what they think I might need to work on because they have a better perspective. You cannot read the label of the jar from inside of the jar. And so do that. If you ask and reach out to the five people closest to you, and you ask for feedback on, on you, your life, what's going on, and you really listen, it can truly change your life. I love that, brother. So guys, if you're listening to this, definitely go to standout authority.com check out the website i love it it's very easy to use and for a red tech a low-tech redneck like me <laughs> very easy to navigate and it's it's very um helpful guys i want to thank joshua first of all thank you brother i'm so grateful for you and you know as people know that when they come on my show is when the relationship actually just begins yeah um, i'm interested in generational relationships and not just a hit it and quit it kind of relationship. And I want to thank Maxwell Soaps. Um, if you guys, if you know anybody that's like me, has diabetic, itchy skin, their soaps um, are great because there are no, no detergents and it's actually very clean. But most of all, it's soaps with a mission. It helps clean up, literally clean up the homeless population in Los Angeles and maybe Austin eventually. Right. So Joshua, thank you, brothers. Thank you so much. Um, when, whenever you get a chance, kiss your bride and kiss the kids. And I'm so grateful that you're in my inner circle now. Richard, I really, really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to a long, long relationship and friendship with you, my friend. All right, brother. God bless you and make sure you take care of yourself. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Bye. you. Bye. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support 
vertical momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass kicking coffee. And and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out, leave us a note, tell us what you'd like and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.